Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. Best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. This is Craig Kringle from the Weird Christmas Podcast. About three years ago, I went looking for very short, very strange stories that I could read on my show, but I couldn't find much, or not much that was sufficiently weird, so I thought, why not ask people to write some? And thus was born the annual Weird Christmas Flash Fiction Contest. Tis the Podcast was kind enough to let me come ask you to participate. You can get all the details at weirdchristmas.com, but basically, I'm asking you to tell me a story that keeps Christmas weird. That can be funny weird, or creepy weird, or just plain what the nutcracker surreal. Keep it under 350 words, send it to weirdxmas at gmail.com by November 1st, and you could win some cash. Prizes range from $5 to $50, and I choose about a dozen to read on the show and publish on my website. Head over to weirdchristmas.com to see the winners and honorable mentions from the last couple years. Here's a quick sample to get that creative eggnog flowing. He glanced in terror at the other reindeer galloping beside him. Its eyes were as blue and as human as his were. He dropped Bill's head on his body and used his incinerator to fry Bill until he was dust. I guess I'm going to have a Merry Christmas after all. He felt himself shrinking till he couldn't have been more than a couple of inches high. A huge hand picked him up and placed him on the mantelpiece beside another motionless Santa. People don't like the baby Jesus to go missing from their nativity scene, they said. I shrugged. People were petty. I'm sorry there was no Santa, but I did provide an elf. Number four was a grand old patriarch, but we were ready for him. When he came crashing down the chimney sermon in mid-flow, he landed right in the net we had tied to the mantelpiece. Traditions are great and all, but sometimes you just need Christmas to get a little bit weird. And I'm hoping you'll help me make it even weirder. So visit me at weirdchristmas.com, and I hope I'll get to hey read y'all. your story. Welcome soon. back to another episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast that is determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 365 days a year. I'm Tom. I'm Julia. And I'm Anthony. Y'all, it is... Tuesday, almost halfway through August, which means we've only got a couple more weeks till the burr months. And in Tulsa, it was not blazing hot today. So thank you for that. It was not. Well, it was 100 here today. Uh, we'll just hold on a few more days and maybe you'll get the cooler weather that really gets you excited for fall. I hope and so. And by Amen. cool, I mean like 88. <laughs> Guess, let's I it. hope so. Oh, man. I am getting excited, though. I don't know what it is, because, like, the kids are not going back to school. Usually that helps, right? And, like, school supplies this year is is buying stand-up desks for the house. <laughs> Portable <laughs> desks. Hey, good for you. Yeah. But, hey, I'm a huge fan of some stand-up desks. Me too. But Me I too. just, I can't explain it. Maybe it is because of the COVID stuff, why... I'm like jazzed, super jazzed for fall this year and just everything. 
Are you too, Tom? That face is. I am so you know super jazzed about Christmas coming. I'm so excited about Christmas coming. Ellie got enrolled in her online learning program through a Mm -hmm. charter school, and I'm very excited about that. She had her first test for placement, and it was very. I was very stressed as a parent knowing my daughter was being tested. I do not like it. It makes me feel very stressed. So we'll see where she lands in the placement. But How did she feel with the testing thing? Did it stress her out She too? was, no, because we're not letting her know she's being tested. Well, good. That's a smart way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Parents. She doesn't need to understand what a test is. There was part of it where she was playing. It was done over Zoom. And the teacher had to say, now, Ellie, you have to focus. I have to see how you do on this. And then Christine and I left the room and went to another part of her house. And she did a lot better. But no, it was just stressful. Yep. But we also got a bunch of her curriculum in the mail. So it's going to be weird setting up our little homeschooling environment, something that we hadn't planned on doing. Yeah. Yep. I did, I did something else exciting this week. What did you do? Oh, yeah. So I posted on Facebook, but for those of you listening that are not friends with me on Facebook, um, you didn't see this. So Hannah and I, as well as Marty and sort of Ethan, started binge watching Jericho, that post-apocalyptic CBS show from the early 2000s, 2006. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And oh, that's a good show. That show. Man, that was a good show. Mm-hmm. So we've got like four episodes Where are you watching left. It? It's on Netflix. And it's been in my oh. queue forever. And I was trying to figure out something to watch. And I swear I spend more time looking at things to watch on Netflix than actually watching things on Netflix. Right? Just adding stuff to my yes. list. And so finally, Ethan was sitting there and he's like, what's that show about? And like, I'd click through all these. What's that show about? What's that show about? And finally I got to Jericho. He's like, what's that show about? And I was like, I don't know. It's one I've wanted to watch for a few years. He's like, watch it. And I'm like, doing it. And we like watched six episodes that night and like six more the next day. <laughs> and Hannah and I are like digging it. Doesn't so. it like make you lose faith in people the sh- when you see good shows that got canceled so early? Like why do you yes. give this a chance? I even, and it was like it so good. And canceled so early that I started like researching, like, why do people think it was canceled early? And a lot of people think it's because it was too realistic. Yeah. And because it came hot on the heels of 9-11. It was 2006. So there wasn't a lot of time to heal between those two things. And so people were like, I think it was too soon. So you want to talk about totally losing concept of time. I was talking to Sarah the other day, you know, it's August 11th now. It's like, oh man, the 10 year anniversary of 9-11 is only next year, is next year. And Sarah's like 20th year. It's like, what? That's crazy. <laughs> it's been that long. <laughs> I mean, living in New York, it's still kind of a fresh wound all these years later. Sure. And probably always be fresh. So I did something fun this week. What'd you do? I recorded a Patreon episode with Jerry Davila for really? October. What yeah. about? A scary um, movie? Yes. Well, I try to wrangle you all for the for the um, Christmas bonus episode. I'm trying to get more Halloween content out there for people on top of that since my schedule is so free. So I managed to do that. And we have Beetlejuice prepped and ready to go. And 
I have recordings from Halloween and Scream planned with some people soon. So October oh. is going to be a once a week release on Patreon. Scream is not yet scheduled. Halloween is scheduled for the 22nd. With whom? You don't want my input on scary movies. So I, I will not I, have I, my feelings hurt if you don't. We were actually me. saying, well, me and Jerry, we should get you on screen because you never saw it. That's, <laughs> one of the, that's one of the funny ones. It's true. I have not seen that one. I might actually. Plus that it. one is turning out to be a girl power episode. That's going to be Charlene and April and Michelle Kidwell. So Ooh. I think you should totally be on. Interesting. Tom, you too. Yeah, girl power, Tom. Girl I'm power. Gonna, I'm gonna be honest. I did just recently. I did just recently read how um, men who identify in any way as feminists are horrible human beings. So, um, I want to do all the feminist stuff I can on our podcast now. <laughs> Jesus well, I'll feminist. I'll let you know when when the screen schedule works out based on their availability. And the Hall- Halloween episode is going to be Jerry, Todd, and Michael Christelman. Yeah. So fun people. Halloween now I now awful. I am offended you've not invited us. Me. The twenty the twenty second. <laughs> Three years. Not year, but guess, you know. That word. I, sent, I word. sent to Tom I sent to Tom today. Three years ago me and him became friends on Facebook. Which means I probably became which reminder. means ours is probably tomorrow, Julia. Aww. Three years. Three years. Time has flown. Oh crap! Okay. Uh, so, real quick, I also. Who? Yes. Okay, so we had that storm last week. Yeah. And power was out for a lot of the county. We were lucky, but one day, like my sister's best friend from high school, who she's like really close to the family now, she's like another sister, Janet. Like she just moved back to town with her boyfriend, and uh, they have lost power, so they were working at a bar up in town and they're like you guys should come meet us so i went out like one and we were out to like 10 30 drinking and we got home the next thing i know i'm waking up at 5 a.m on the bathroom floor on my back like i just fell asleep, <laughs> fell asleep. i crawl into bed I, this is a work day by the work night and day so i crawl into bed my alarm goes off <laughs> i usually i get up at 5 30 i push it to six I stay in bed till eight. Then I get online for an hour training, <laughs> and then I'm like, and then I'm like, I email my boss. I'm like, oh, I woke up feeling a little under the weather today. You know, I think I'm, I thought I could power through, but I'm going back to sleep. So then I went back to sleep and slept till like four or five o'clock that evening, and it reminded me why I am not, that I am not in college anymore. <laughs> I cannot drink that much anymore. <laughs> So that was fun, you, you went to a bar to work. To work. I mean, why not? <laughs> with friend, with people you like. That's the thing. It's like you could probably work at a bar. But then when you're mm-hmm. there with friends and stuff. Friends you haven't seen in a while. Yep. Right. Yeah, there's no way. <laughs> but, it, but it was fun. I mean, every now and then I need that reminder, like, you can't do this anymore, man. <laughs> Your body's saying... Yo. <laughs> Yo, can't do that anymore. I ain't that guy anymore. <laughs> oh, Speaking of not being that guy, I think there's a character in this film who's not that guy. There is. Hashtag not my Santa. Hashtag no, not my tonight, Darth Vader. 
Hashtag not a Christmas movie. Uh, That's debatable. debatable. Uh, we'll be debating it, Julia. I think tonight's yeah. the night where people get to see a new side of Julia. We made it almost three years without Julia tearing into Tom and Anthony, and I think I'm going to blow that today. Um, tonight, we are covering the 1999 made-for-trash-can movie, Santa and Pete, starring James Earl Jones. Um, this was a... Uh, this movie somehow got nominated for two awards, far, far beyond my understanding. Um Contrary to what President Hot Dog thought on Reddit, this is not a movie about Black Peter, the racist Christmas trope. <laughs> Pretty much is trying to make it look better, but it's the same thing. Uh, so let's let me do a quick plot synopsis, and then we'll go through our non-existent histories, and then we'll look at the uh, wasted talent in the cast and discuss the film in general. A senile old man and recent widower rambles on about some fictitious narrative he's constructed supposedly about St. Nicholas that quite literally gets only the fact that Nicholas lived, was a bishop, and liked children correct. To illustrate his imaginary world, the film cuts away to some of the worst acting we've seen on this podcast as we follow hashtag not my Santa and some random more through a 17th century cross-globe journey to America. Now give us the snarky synopsis. <laughs> that was if you can believe it that was toned down from what i had written earlier um, i edited right before we got on here it's a the, the imdb description says it's the first christmas without grandma and a difficult time for the family until grandpa decides to share a story with his 10 year old god's grandson terrence you know right, it's got to be something if in the plot synopsis on IMDb, they have to call out that Grandpa is James Earl Jones of Star Wars and Field of Dream fame. <laughs> field of Dream. I like that Field of Dream, not Field of Dreams. It is Field of Dream, singular. Field of dream. <laughs> um, this movie, I'm going to do the first history. My history was I watched this movie. Dang it, dang it, Siri, stop it. Um, my history for this film began yesterday when I watched it. That was it. I have no history and it will have no future. Julia, how about you? Um, so I think I'm the reason why this is on our list because I was random Googling one night, found a Christmas movie James Earl Jones was in and said, hey, did you know James Earl Jones is in a Christmas movie? Uh, beyond that, never heard of it. Watched it today. And that's it. No history. What about you, Anthony? Well, Julia, I can't like be as harsh toward Tom now because I was almost 99% convinced this was his doing. But it turns out <laughs> it turns out that Julia for once, has put a bad, bad movie on the list. I had no history with this film, but when <laughs> when we got ready to cover it, when I was doing the social medias that we were covering it, and I googled images before watching it, and I saw how low budget it looked, I knew we were in for a rough night. And my instinct was correct. Oh boy, not my Santa, not my St. Nicholas, 
not my Christmas movie, and not my Darth Vader. I would hazard... I would honestly say this is one of the worst movies we have ever covered on this show. And I am staking my claim in that. I, I think we're going to have some debate there. Yeah, from you're going to have some not debate yours there. truly. Uh, let's go through the <laughs> cast, and cr- cast and crew. This movie was directed by Dwayne Dunham who was an editor for Twin Peaks, was in the editorial department for Star Wars, for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, the guy has some, some great stuff. He was a director of a couple of episodes of the Star Wars Clone Wars. Oh, that stuff is Halloween. great. He directed mm-hmm. Halloween Town. Uh, he directed Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey, some Twin Peaks episodes, Seventh Heaven, Jag. When so you say like this guy's a uh, nobody. When you say Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey, are you talking the original before it, what the animals didn't talk or the more mainstream one where they talked with Michael J. Fox and all of them? Loved this movie as a kid. And this movie still makes me upset to this day watching it. When they are getting home and he falls in that mud pit by the railroad tracks and can't get out. And he's like, take care of my boy for me. And the other dog and, and the got cat. Go, coming. And the, no, and the other dog and the cat go home alone. And the kid's waiting for the last dog to appear. And he's sad. And he's turning to go in the house. Then he hears a bark. And that dog comes limping out of the forest. And they run toward, oh, it makes me cry every time. It makes me cry every time. This is our single most humanizing Anthony moment. I'm impressed. Oh, please. (laughs) No, it was. That was such a sweet story. I'm just picturing little boy Anthony there, like, watching this on the edge of the seat of the couch, just waiting to see if the dog is going to come. I love it. And then the dog comes running out, and they run toward each other, and the dog is like, my boy, my boy. And I, like, hug my dog and start crying. (sighs) Anyway. So this, bound, infinitely better than this movie. This movie is written and produced by Greg Taylor, who also wrote, was a producer and writer for Prancer, Prancer Returns. And he wrote this, the screenplay, the screen story for Jumanji. He wrote The Christmas Box, The Christmas Wish, Stealing Christmas, and Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Oh, so he has some good credits. He has a story mm-hmm. credit on the original Jumanji and the new one. Mm-hmm. He does. And it's and based on a novel by... The first thing you mentioned that he did. Prancer. Prancer. Yeah, there you go. And Prancer Returns. Uh, it's, the, it's based on a book written by Christopher Moore, um, who doesn't have a whole lot to his name at all. He wrote um, the book for Santa and Pete and he wrote a documentary story for the African Burial Ground and American Discovery. Huh. And the movie stars Hume Cronin as St. Nicholas. He is a pretty old school actor with a lot of credit to his name. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Good stuff to his name. Good stuff like Cocoon, Shadow of a Doubt, Twelve Angry Men, I love 12 Angry Men. Me too. The TV Top version. 10 movies. Yeah. All he them. was in. I like every version of he it. Was, Me too. I love that. Pl- just reading that play in school. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. He was in the 1964 version of Hamlet, the 1963 version of 
Cleopatra did some stuff on Hawaii Five O. Like I said, he was in Cocoon. He was in the amazing movie from the eighties, Batteries Not Included. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. He was in movie. The Pelican Brief. Another good um, one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's done a lot, and unfortunately, uh, he passed away in two thousand and three shortly after doing this film. Oh. I'm just going to say right now, I can't believe this was a 1999 film, given how it looked, but we'll come back to that. Mm -hmm. James Earl Jones plays Grandpa Nicholas. Uh, James Earl Jones, you may or may not have heard of over the years. Um, (laughs) He's done a few little things, you know, like the voice of Mufasa from The Lion King. Uh, Or more famously. Darth Vader. Uh, I wouldn't know. I don't know if I'd actually say that's more famous today. I think for associated with him, it's pretty more famous. Probably, you're probably right. Obviously. Don't forget, he also did. This is CNN. He oh. started out his his first his first thing that he did was guiding. He was at a guest appearance on Guiding Light in 1952, oh, and then was in As the World Turns both times as doctors in 1956 so um he was a regular in the er, nope not gonna say that he played the Candyman in nypd tv series back in the 60s he played balthazar in the 1977 jesus nazareth movie he played malcolm x in the greatest he was in conan the barbarian Yes. Uh, he had a role in some after some ABC after school specials. We should do a bonus episode about ABC after school specials, y'all. Mm-hmm. Those were made. Those were amazing. Uh, he was in. He played the voice of Pharaoh. Just the, it's it's mostly his voice that you're gonna get and remember. He's got this amazing voice. Um, what is your favorite James Earl Jones? Field of Dreams. Mine starts Vader. Mine is Mufasa. Nice. It's a nice. I mean, those are between the three of us. Those would probably be my top three. He did do the voice of Maggie Simpson on The Simpsons. Are you serious? (laughs) I did the one time Maggie voice. Maggie Simpson had a voice. He was. uh, Oh my gosh. (laughs) The voice of Maggie Simpson in uh, Treehouse of Horrors back in 95 or something let me find i mean talk about a horror imagine your baby opened their mouth and spoke like that treehouse of horrors five back in 1994 man i was close see those are made for halloween patreon episodes one day the treehouse of horrors those are simpsons i love that i would be that will be multi-part episode though that is obviously like not like 30 months. episodes into one right. <laughs> he is in coming to america too as well which is in post-production right now well, he was also in the first one mm-hmm. he was he was i we didn't mention that but i'm just trying to figure out what coming to america too looks like coming to an america still in america i don't know it's gonna be interesting to see <laughs> pete our black peter is played by Flex Alexander. Flex Alexander was in the movie She's All That. Did you like that movie, Julia? 
I don't remember that one as much. I love Freddie Prince Jr., that. Rachel Lee Cook. I remember the cast. I don't remember the story. Is it one of those 90s adapted Shakespeare stories? Yeah. Because there were a ton of those. There were. Um, Anthony, you know how you were talking earlier about, who were you talking about earlier? Rose McGowan? Yep. You were into Rose McGowan? I was much more into Rachel Lee Cook back at the same time. I could see it. Peter. The Hills Have Eyes, The Hills of Ice 2. He was in Snakes on a Plane, one of the a cinematic masterpiece. <laughs> I am willing to do a Patreon episode and argue that one all day long, y'all. Um, he was in, he did, you know, not a big actor. I did, I won't say I, act, I recognized him. I want to go back and watch Snake on a Plane and see if I see him. I don't think there's anybody else worth talking about. What do y'all think? Absolutely not. I mean, Tempest Bledsoe is in it. She's the probably biggest name aside from Hume Cronin, but that's just because Cosby Show. James Cheryl Jones? Right. But probably just because Cosby Show. She wasn't in it for very long, but she was in it. She was in it. <laughs> she had another Christmas movie that came out uh, two years ago called Jingle Bell, B-E-L-L-E, that I think mm -hmm. we should add to our episode. She was a voice in Paranormal. I'm sorry, not Paranormal, Paranorman, Paranorman, which is a movie I absolutely love. It is mm -hmm. so cute. She was, um, like you said, she played Vanessa Huxtable mm -hmm. for um, 157 episodes. Her, before, she was on the, before she was on the Cosby show, she was on, uh, or um, while she was on the Cosby show, she also had that, she, she had a part on the spinoff, A Different World. Y'all remember that one too? I do. I didn't watch it. She was the next Huxtable there as well. Huh. Yasmin Guy, who was in that, had a recurring role on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air I've learned recently because that is... Ellie Which is getting reboot in the uh, or world. It's getting redone. Um, I am... I, so as a Ellie's drama. apps... Ellie's absolute favorite TV show in the entire world is Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. She sings the song all the time. She loves it. We talk about it a lot. It's like what she wants to watch. And so having gone back and watching it, it is still, that move, that show held up better than just about any other um, 90s TV show I've watched. I've been really impressed. Oh yeah, that's probably true. Love that show. I um, I um. It's also really sad that they are dealing with race issues very head on in ways that I don't remember as a kid, but that we're still talking about today, which makes me very sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, that's getting a reimagining with Will Smith involved. It's like a sequel-ish thing, but a drama, and it was based on a YouTube trailer that somebody put together with Will Smith, and the studios liked it so much they're bidding for it now. So he's wow. going to be the, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air retirement community? Is that what we're doing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of reboots, right. real quick, what did you think of that Saved by the Bell trailer? I have not watched it. Didn't watch it. I have no opinion. You are not missing much. That's what I figured. Is it just those two original characters that are back? No, there are a bunch of them. There are a bunch of them back, okay. I think the only one who wasn't invited back 
was Screech. Lisa Turtle and Screech, right? Mm. No, Lisa had a thing. She posted a thing online that she wasn't invited and didn't understand why and was a little offended. Oh. Speaking of offensive. This movie. <laughs> um, let's jump in. So the movie opens up with James Earl Jones with his grandson in a room. They're sad because grandma died and wasn't isn't going to be around for this year for Christmas, right? Right. So we're all sad and they start we're just starting around sitting around talking and grandpa decides you know what I'm going to tell him about Santa Claus and instead of talking about the legitimate St. Nicholas 4th century bishop from Myra and Lycia in ancient in uh, modern day Turkey um, who was a bishop who survived the Christian persecutions of Diocletian and was that the first council of Nicaea had a really big impact, is known for his generosity and what he did to save children. Instead, we're going to come up with some random dude in Amsterdam, white dude, short beard, blue eyes, um, who's walking around, who is this image of Santa Claus. And we follow him as he goes to Spain and encounters a Moor while he's arrested for having the book of life, which um, is a Christian concept that is believed the people who are, um, who, who are, who are eventually redeemed um, in life and find uh, salvation in Christ, their names are written in the book of life. But in this case, it's a random book that he has a bunch of people's names in and can tell who's going to marry whom. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole time I was watching this, especially at the beginning, I was thinking to myself, man, Tom's going to have some theological lectures tonight for us and our listeners. You're welcome in advance, everybody. And so, speaking of Patreon episodes, I am still surprised nobody's done theology with Tom yet. That's a Patreon episode for you, Tom. That's a Patreon uh, some, episode. If we have somebody you who wants to get on and talk about it, yo. You and Jerry should get on and do one. Um, I'm afraid to do that because I'm afraid we will start a new whole new podcast. Uh, I think we're on the precipice of having a, an Eats Me's West Christian podcast, and I'm afraid to take that dive. Um, well, then I'll hop on with you at some point, Tom. Y'all, we really don't want to talk about this movie. <laughs> no. I want to pause for a minute and point something out. As Nicholas is walking around these towns... And I understand we are in a Western post-Reformation town. Nicholas is walking around in some sort of weird attire that I don't understand. But what I will say is he is not walking around in the clothes befitting his bishopric. And I don't understand why. Another thing. I want to know in what world a religion, Christianity, East or West, goes around calling a living person by the honorific title of saint in their life people are like oh saint nicholas and they're calling him santa these aren't things that are be these aren't titles that are bequeathed upon a person in their life it is something that is granted them posthumously can i ask you a serious question like no joke yeah like there's no like special circumstances ever like one in a million years type thing some some people might, but it's typically no. It's not. It's not seen because um, within Christian traditions that um, use 
the title in Revere Saints, there's also the under, there's not an understanding of, of once saved, always saved. The idea that, that you say a prayer and you're, you're saved. It's all seen as St. Paul says um, that he's running the race. So people in this life, while holy and seen as living saints, would still not get the title saint because it's understood that they can walk away from that at any given time. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. So, just curious. And there are saints, there are saints that have lived, um, even in recent years, um, who exhibit um, extreme signs of holiness, including some that um, have exhibited the, the light comparable to what they, uh, to, to, to Christ on Mount Tabor during the, the transfiguration when he was brightly illumined with um, Moses and Elijah and the same light that Moses came down. Remember Moses, when he came down from Sinai, they had to put something over his face because he was um, so transformed by the presence of God that he, that he shone as a bright light. Um, there are saints that do that now and they're still typically not called, you know, Saint Hay, whatever your name is. Um, so the other thing I want to note at no <laughs> point during any of this, even on Christmas Eve, big night services happening is the bishop going to church? Yeah, I noticed that too. <laughs> it's weird. It's you know what bothered me as Santa Claus when he's he doesn't have, ever have to eat reindeer. He only has the four thousand to pick. I had. I, I get it. I he get has that. eight at the end. Does he? Yeah. Because even in that end, when they're doing like the weird little montage of what happened in the movie, he still has the four. I thought he right before four. they fly. It's the eight. Okay. I also thought it was weird that he leaves some random more to explain to a young child what a vixen is. Very, very weird, inappropriate thing. A single man by himself should not be left alone to talk about um, sexual promiscuity with children. Mm-hmm. I'm get out there. This feels wrong. You know what felt wrong? Pete's portrayal. He seemed too modern for the time it was set. Just uh, his mannerisms very... and his personality, no? He was supposed to be a span he was supposed to be from Spain. He was supposed to be a Moor. And he was very much an Anglicanized black man, not a Spanish Moor. Um, none of his Muslim ideals came out at any point. Nothing there. It was. Um, it made me very uncomfortable, and I did not believe it. So he does all of these things. Pete lives with him for years, sees all these miracles, and every time Nicholas talks about doing something, he's like, "Oh, we shouldn't commit to that. We don't know if we're going to do it. Oh, you don't know if you can deliver this." Time and time and time and time again. At some point, you think you'd just be like, well, screw it. We're just going to wait and see if Nicholas pulls this out of his hat or not. But no, no. (laughs) He has to make a deal about it every time. So they go, and there's some random dude in the town hears that Nicholas is going to America. So he's like, hey, can you give this ring to my wife in New Amsterdam? Which is, you know, Anthony, hey, shout out to you. Um, This is New York, obviously. Mm -hmm. I know. Mm -hmm. Um, no, I'm saying a shout out to to you back when your city was decent. Um, and then you had to get that in there. You had to get that in there. We're on the same side tonight, Tom. Don't forget, we both loathe this movie. No, and I'm making reference to the weird, the weird, um, 
the weird detail in which James Earl Jones describes what their house was like during New, when it was New Amsterdam, pre New York, pre, you know, all of that. It just felt, that felt very weird to me where he's like, this was a field and there was a tree right here. Like, it, did anybody think at the end James Earl Jones is going to be revealed to have been Peter instead of just his descendant? That's what I thought was going to happen. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I, I thought there'd be something there. Yeah. Right. Not just that he was granddad telling a story. Yep. Uh, I mentioned it earlier, by the way, but like this movie for 99 looks incredibly old. This looks like early 80s. It does. 100%. Like does. the fact uh, that you said he only died a few years after this movie in 2003. I could not believe that. That's insane. That. Anyway. It was the um, so they get to America after being on this ship forever, and somehow they're traveling together. And Nicholas got to know a woman very well on the ship that Peter didn't. And there's this very awkward telling of why this woman is wearing Nicholas's coat. But I would think if they were traveling companions together the way they were, that he would they would have at least known the same people, you know. But I don't know. I don't really understand maritime happenings. I don't understand maritime happenings in the 17th century. So there could be things I don't understand at play here. Uh, I'm so surprised because normally you understand every topic that comes up on this podcast and give me and Julia a lecture about historical accuracy on every single thing. It was a really funny episode of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Sorry. You will both remember it. Uh, when Jeffrey's former boss from England comes over with his daughter who's their their British royalty and his daughter is like a wild girl and Will tries to corral her in. Do y'all remember that? Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, this lord that he used to work for goes um, every chance he gets, he goes into British maritime law history in great detail like year by year what the British parliament did for maritime law Anyway, uh, it was funny. So I didn't pay close enough attention there to really understand how ships work. But they get to America, and they go to a church. They're not going in the church. They're just going to hang out there and wait for the the reverend, because he'll know everybody in the town. Mm -hmm. And um, ask, do you know this lady? Well, of course I do, you know. So they go to find her at the tanner, who is working in a very, very sanitary tannery. I mean clean it was very clean for a place where you where you disembowel gut and rip apart animals right i guess the slaughter could have been done elsewhere and the, the, it was processed and they're just getting the skins i don't know um not terribly knowledgeable of 17th century tannery practices either apparently um so <laughs> um glad you're aware and his... acknowledging your limitations tom I am. I'm, sometimes I disappoint myself, and I'm sorry I'm disappointing you all here. Too. <laughs> yes. Julia, I have a question for you. Yep. Are you more inclined to say yes to a marriage proposal if Santa's the one who delivers the ring to you and asks on behalf of your lover? Or are you more... For one lover, ew. Two, no. No. I would not be more inclined to say yes. Okay. The weirdness I of thought, Santa. But 
She was very happy to receive that ring from Santa. She was. Elizabeth. She was. So, I mean, a living is, saint. Is it that, you know, she was excited that it was, that it was Santa that brought it to her. But at the flip side, you know, she may, you know, you got to think about how long it takes for news to travel back and forth. She's probably lonely. There's probably some joy in knowing that he is, she is still front of mind, that he still wants to marry her. I'll give a little bit of grace on this, on this one. Where I won't give grace is when a random woman comes up and immediately knows, oh, it's Santa and Peter. That's <laughs> that made me laugh. Come to my house. Yeah, that just that's... got weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's also weird that he's just going around telling everybody, "Hey, I'm coming into your house to bring your kids stuff." Like that's it. It's a little bit. It's a little on the weird side. I'm gonna let somebody else take it from here because I feel like the snark level is pretty high, and as we've read from reviews, not everybody loves that about us. Well, since Julia actually did not hate this movie, let's let her take it from here. I'll bring it home. I really want to be the one to bring it home and discuss the last scene. But Julia, why don't you take it from here? Where did we technically leave off at? He gave the ring to uh, Elizabeth. I, the gave the ring to Elizabeth. Because, like, we didn't talk about the girl he finds trying to find her parents. We didn't talk about. Emmanuel or whatever is big Emmanuel. We didn't talk about any of that. So I'm just trying to figure out what we need to cover here. Definitely the girl trying to find her parents for sure. Okay. So in the middle of the weird story, story. we also have, no, no, it is weird. We have as Santa and Pete are traveling around, they find a girl. What was her name? Marlene. They find a girl in the attic area of a place where they're staying overnight. Her name's Marlene. The girl that plays this, I thought was quite a good actress for her age. And she looks like a living Cabbage Patch doll. She was like, adorable. She was exactly very what she cute. Looks like. So very she cute. has lost her parents. And she said, I fell asleep in the forest where my parents were building their cabin. And inexplicably, she wakes up and they're not there. So she's lost. There's not much thought put into this storyline just that she's a lost girl and she's devastated but she knows santa can help her find her find her family and santa basically commits to this i'll find your family for you and pete pulls and you know like tom said pete's like you sure you want to commit to that and santa's like yeah i got a good feeling and they have some discussion about did the book tell you that your magic book of life did that tell you that you're gonna find does that have the location of her parents because pete is very confused and very entranced by this book at the same time. Um, so this little girl stays with them for a good amount of time. They go to Tempest Bledsoe's house. Um, part of that storyline we sort of covered a little bit too. Santa stays there. They love Santa. Santa gives them well wishes that their baby is going to be healthy and a boy and knows the name because Santa knows all and he's omniscient. And they're very I don't happy. like that. My way, I'm just jumping in here with personal preferences. I'm fine with Santa, you know, knowing if you're bad or good. He knows all the children. But when he starts getting into, he knows the name of unborn children and being that omniscient, like, that rubs me the wrong way. As Santa. Right. Some identity crisis in this movie to the... Well, and we're going to theology. Umpteen level. We're also dealing with the lack of... Christian understanding of free will too at this point. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So 
they have an excellent experience with Santa because they find out their baby's healthy. She doesn't have to worry anymore. They know that, you know, they get the sense that God is looking out for them. Santa is looking out for them. It's easy to confuse those two words in this movie. Oh, that's for sure. And yeah. um, the family though, is it's a very kind family. They're very warm to Marlene while she's there. And she basically chills with them until her parents find her and it's like Christmas magic and it snows and Santa, you can tell that Santa's like, I don't know where the parents are. Where are the parents? And he looks up to the sky and it's like, he gets a promise from God that the parents are coming. And what do you know? Parents turn up. Marlene finds her parents again. All is good with the world. And Pete's like, this is amazing. Great job. And they, so they're unable to get through the snow now. So they turn this wagon into a sleigh by replacing the wheels. And that's where the extra four. It's where the extra four reindeer come into play as well. And the first time the reindeer move very fast, it's because they're liquored up. And it makes them very (laughs) fast reindeer when they accidentally get fed the liquor instead of water um, by the beautiful girl that Pete is in love with. but the second time it is, it is Christmas magic. Mm-hmm. It is the addition of more reindeer and a proper sled. And throughout the progression of the movie, they hit on not only inaccurate theological traits of who this guy really was in history, but they also insert all the little Santa bits that we know from Santa lore, right? We see how Santa got his coat. He got it from some Indians. We see how fruitcake came into be. Fruitcake is a big Christmas thing because of Pete. We see chocolates being given out at Christmas time. Kids love chocolate. Uh, the sleigh, reindeer, like Vixen mentioned, stockings, um, chimney is right alongside with the stockings. The explanation of that. So this is a extraordinarily confusing Saint Nick santa origin story where santa is also playing god and pete is just this real nice guy and somehow in the present they're related to santa and pete definitely pete because terrence wakes up in the middle of the night on christmas eve christmas morning and he finds a book of life in the living room and he finds his name inside of it but when james earl jones grandpa comes down and he turns his back on the book of like it disappears and he can't remember anything he read in it <laughs> his grandpa basically reveals in not so many words that pete was their ancestor doesn't explain why they have seen nick's book of life but okay and <laughs> and that you know every they, every family has somebody who passes on that history and that ancestry and that lineage and terence is like can that be me now i think it is son and then grandson and then it parents get woken up is everything okay down here everything's just fine and then it ends and well, I think very confusing. I'm like, why did Pete's ancestors have the Book of Life at the end? I don't get that. Also, why did he forget what he read? Yeah, in Santa it? was a bishop. If he inherited Santa, the book. Santa, well, well, Pete says at the beginning, or they say at the beginning that you, when you read it, you forget what's in it. And two, 
the one thing they got right, Nicholas apparently was a bishop and was celibate, never had an, any offspring. I know, no. Anthony doesn't get his Mrs. Claus in this movie, nope. much to, no, much to, Tom, much to Tom's uh, relief. Yep. Although, let me I tell didn't you, like I'll, take, I'll take Santa in any movie with the Mrs. Claus over this Santa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so let's let's touch on that. How was this guy as Santa? I thought he was like he was seemed jovial enough, but he was too like you said, Julia, godlike to be Santa, right? He was too almost too he was too perfect. Yeah. And he wasn't the beard his face he's too thin and the beard didn't suit Santa. He didn't look like Santa. Yeah, he looks elfish but not in a way that Santa to me. Yeah, he looked like he could have been one of the elves in Santa Claus's movie. That's right. That's what I kept yes. thinking. That's what he looks like. Yes. And his Deadly acting more. is horrible in this movie. Horrible. Like, terrible. And I don't understand how you can be so be good script. in everything else, yeah, and not even make that script work. People um, don't agree with us, though. If you look on, if you, you look on IMDb in the reviews, People say this is his best work of all times. Well, I saw one review on IMDb that said That's what that. I mean. Well, Somebody well, said that, and I'm like, what? Variety wrote that it delivers a requisite amount of heartwarming cheer without being too painfully maudlin, and Home Media Magazine called it fanciful and charming, and people called it pleasant but flimsy. Okay. So let me get into my... I was asked before we started recording, because clearly Anthony and Tom do not like this movie. And they were like, you like this movie? Because we had a little bit of chatter Wait. before we started recording. Well, I think that's an unfair characterization. I want to just point out, read something here that actually legitimately made me laugh out loud when we were talking about this in our private chat. And me and Tom have been talking about how we hated this movie. And Julia comes in hours later Y'all need to check your hearts before tonight. And I, and I was like, what? You like it? And Tom's like, it's going to get nasty. And Julia's like, you hating it says more about you than me liking it. Let that simmer. And then she disappeared until we hopped on Zoom. We didn't hear from her again at all. Until we <laughs> okay. So here's my take on this movie. This movie is not designed for adults. It's not designed to be criticized for its flimsy theological nature or all of the weirdness that's in it. Like, I don't think it was in, it was created for that purpose at all. It's created for that kid that's missing his two front teeth in the movie. This is a, a movie designed for children. And if you watch it like a kid, when you don't care about if it's theologically accurate or why all this weird crap is happening and you don't get that the vixen joke is tawdry to an adult, then the movie is not bad. It's a sweet ditty of a movie where acting doesn't matter. And who cares that any of these people were real, not real, are a right depiction or not a right depiction. Can I play devil's advocate for a minute? You totally can. But that was my, you not liking it says more about you than, than me liking it. It's because I, I adjusted my frame of mind for this movie. Uh, by the way, that's not how I read that comment when you said when you said <laughs> Nope. Um, I felt like Flame War was going. I kept waiting oh. to see where it was going to go. 
I know. And I think she purposefully left us dangling for hours. She purposefully disappeared after that. But uh, Devil's Advocate, couldn't you theoretically say that about any Christmas movie? Aren't the majority of them really made for kids? The majority of them? Yeah. Yes. I'm not saying that they did a good job. I'm saying that the ones that are made for kids, but we can also enjoy are done properly, right? This feels like it was made just for kids, which, which is a fault of it, right? So you can watch it in that frame of mind, but it doesn't, I mean, that's the case. That's what I think this movie is. It kind of reminded me of a bad version of fairy tale theater. I know we've sort of talked about that before from the eighties when you watch those, they're a lot more well done than this and they hold up better than this, but they're made for kids. It's made for a kid audience. It's not in a way that it's, an animated movie is, but. Well, it's not to say, isn't, I isn't this the same thing we brought up with the star that was made for kids? I mean, that just is star. what I'm talking about. So that's what I'm talking about. When I went into the star, I went into it wrong. And then when we rewatched it, it's not so bad because you got to adjust the way you're thinking. This feels like the star to me. Now I like the star more, but this felt like the star to me. I don't think I can see a kid sitting through this boring dribble. Oh, me either. <laughs> I, I mean, but, I think it's um, very star, dated for kids the, nowadays. The star, yeah. I will say, um, had a lot of, of, of flashy whimsy. Uh, I have a different theory on this movie. I think somebody needed to crank out a something to drop in December for a Christmas network and they did a rush hack job to put something together um, where I really have kind of a problem with it aside from the obvious um, but no it's, uh, it was too long it, was, it, was it felt very long even though it was like under just under an hour and a half yeah I felt way longer than that I watched it this morning. At, I watched it this morning at. <laughs> I was thinking it. I I uh, watched it this morning at six thirty, and it was over by my call at eight. And I was like, "Oh man, what a way to kick off the Tuesday morning." Yeah, bit of a bummer. Um, I did not get the Christmas feels from the scenery, from the imagery, from the color choice that they had even in the poorly constructed ridiculously under budget sets i'll um, push i'll push no back music. there a bit towards the end i'll give you but the rest i was about to it, say no. the end when they're running with the sleigh and then the i thought the house looked nice enough with the tree that was fine but for the rest of the movie it didn't feel like christmas had anything to do with it i can agree with that yeah and there was no good music yeah, I can't even remember the music. I just think so, this movie would have been infinitely have been infinitely better if they kept James Earl Jones but made him wear the Darth Vader mask the whole time, and he's telling the story to his kid <laughs> in the Vader mask. <laughs> Luke, <laughs> Peter is my great 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 grandfather. <laughs> All right. Let's rank it. Uh, wait, does it have a Linus moment? No. No? No? Like all Christmassy to begin with. I think so. Everybody's 
everybody's into St. Nicholas through the whole movie. At the end of the day, they're all still at the same point. I'm going to play Devil's Advocate and say, yes, it does at the end. Very end. Who has but it? But you know it doesn't. Who? Who? Who, who has the, the moment? What, uh, the grandfather and the grandson. But the grandson was excited and loved Christmas to begin with, and the grandfather... But this is where we argue. There doesn't need to be a change. Oh, right, right. There just right, right. can be Linus popping up and saying, this that's is what Christmas, Christmas is all, is all about. about. Yeah, that's true. If that well, that's right. So yes, it does. It did. It did have a lens. This is all about all about some weird guy in the seventeenth century from Amsterdam who spoke English very well, who came to America and had nothing to do with Jesus. Yay, Christmas. All right, let's rate this. I'm ready to get done. I'm ready to put this behind me and never ever think about it again except for the grueling three hours I have to edit it this week. I'm so glad I could talk to you this week, man. I am so glad. I, you know, Thursday we're recording our anniversary special. That one is three hours. I would gladly edit that one for 15 hours this week, then listen to this one. Again. I'll trade you. I'll trade you. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, so, so let's um, rank it. What, uh, what, uh, all, hold on. Yeah, where, where does this one go? It's, it's a made for TV list. movie, right? Mainless. Yeah, it's our main list. But it's a Full-length film, so it's yeah, it's on the main list. Julia, what do you give it? Hold on, I'm not even, not even there yet. Sorry. Caruso, what do you give it? <laughs> no, I am not giving it that. I, uh, I'm going to have to go with. By virtue of other things I ranked, I would rather watch North Pole open for Christmas than this, so I'm going to give this a zero. Flat zero. Of course you'd rather watch North Pole open for Christmas before this. North Pole open for Christmas is better than than this. I mean, the song in North Pole for Christmas is catchy, at least. I've been listening to that since we watched that freaking movie. You know, I can't say... I would rather watch this than A Christmas Tale, but not by much. This is as bad as Kurt Cameron Saving Christmas for me. Really? Oh, I hate it. Search your feelings. You know it to be true. (laughs) But at least give them more effort for trying and less for being um, self-aggrandizing and give it a quarter of a point. I'm coming at a one. A one. That gives us point four one six six seven, Anthony. And where does that put us in the list? That puts us point four one six six seven. That puts us at number eighty six on the list between eight crazy nights and a merry frickin' Christmas. Ooh. Wow. For context, we are have nine with this movie. We have ninety three spots on the list. So the fact that it comes in at eighty six now, right at the bottom of the barrel. Wow. I mean, honestly, personally, I would have put it lower. I would rather watch Merry Freaking Christmas over this. Oh, I hated that movie too, though. Yeah. I know. So do we want to talk about more positive things? Because we did have a question of the week. Always. 
So, well, watch it, buddy. Asked us last week. In your opinion, which is better, the build-up to Christmas or the actual day itself, and why? Now, before we give our answers, we did get some feedback. So let's listen to some feedback. And I think we've kind of covered this before, but I'm still curious to hear what you guys say. So Thin White Duke wrote, as much as I love Christmas Day, the build-up is the best for me. The buying and eating lots of nice food in the run-up, finishing school with lots of fun festive things. I'm a teacher, making plans to see family and friends, and the buying of the Christmas Radio Times here in the UK, and circling of all the things I want to watch. Well, Watch a Buddy wrote, spot on. I don't think I could have put it better myself. President Hot Dog wrote, the day itself tends to be really stressful for me, but so does allow the build-up. So I'm going towards the week between Christmas and New Year's Day, because it's kind of in that dead zone where there's nothing you have to do, only stuff you want to do. And we'll watch a buddy wrote, I get that. It's nice to be to, to, just chill for a couple of days and basically do nothing. Gary Blauman wrote, I'm all about the build-up. The day itself can seem so hectic, needing to jump around to multiple places, but I always look forward to the nights where the only lights on the house are Christmas lights, and I'm relaxing with the movie. Dunder, yeah, Dunder and Blixum wrote, as painful as it is to say, Christmas Day is the end, the end of a long few weeks and months for all of us that we look forward to all year, wrapped in light, warmth, and companionship of family and friends. Then on Christmas Day, the end of the season is so stark, so abrupt, and comes with so many responsibilities, plans, and timelines that need to be met. The build-up, the season, the anticipation, that's what Christmas is all about. Irish Christmas 2018 wrote, the build-up is way better, the excitement, the planning, the daydreaming, the day itself goes really quick. Clark W. Griswold wrote, the build-up to me, the month of December is just incredible, the lights, the music, the movies, TV, the food, the gatherings. Christmas Day is obviously still amazing, but I'm always a little sad. It's like a Sunday, really. You know, things go back to normal the next day, and that sucks. That's Hillman. right. That's <laughs> yeah. perfect. It's like a Sunday. Hillman of the East wrote, kid, the day of, adult, the buildup. Where to next April, April Riley wrote, definitely the buildup. I always get a little blue as soon as the presents are open. Now there's trash everywhere. The world goes back to being ho-hum. It's just cold and gray outside. The season is over. Now it's months before we get to look forward to it again. And Linz Lou Hubagoo. Ooh, say that again. <laughs> Linz Lou Hubagoo. I like that name. That's Very fun typical. to say. <laughs> um, they wrote, most systems go. <laughs> so, so funny story about that before I read her comment. Yes, I know it's a woman because she's on our Facebook group too. Um, my last boss at where I work now is called Francisco. He's on Verizon now, so he's our customer now. And of course, he's the, the big douche about it but every time every time we're on a conference call when we i have we i ha i had like when we're together obviously we haven't been able to do this for a while when we have ourselves on mute and we're listening to him we're always like francisco that's fun to say and we're just <laughs> always do our buddy the elf impression francisco. <laughs> but yes linslu hubagu wrote most definitely the build-up I look forward to all the build-up entails, the tree trimming and decorating, the cookie baking, wrapping of presents, family get-togethers, Christmas parties, Christmas music playing, and non-stop Christmas movies. Christmas Day is great, but that means the season is over and decorations have to be packed up and it's all over. Sad face. So Jay, what kind of animal are they? <laughs> <laughs> what about y'all? What do y'all think? Build-up. Totally the build-up. 
absolutely the buildup. And it goes faster every year, which just really stinks. So I, I can that's... sort of appreciate hot dogs perspective also where the week between Christmas and New Year's is almost kind of a different kind of sweet, right? I think that's the bad thing about the podcast, the good and bad thing. It makes a whole year go by fast, so we get to Christmas faster, but it does not slow down the season that we want it to no, slow down. It doesn't. What it about really you, Tom? doesn't, unfortunately. Um, I don't pick. I like the up. I like the day, and I like the extended Christmas celebration that we have um, in our tradition. That's such a Jerry so, D answer. I, it's an Anthony I answer. I like it all. I have to pick one favorite. I'm going to give you my top three instead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I agree with everyone. It's the buildup. Christmas Day is like coming down from a sugar rush. Like Christmas Eve is the pinnacle to me. Then you crash. Christmas Day is great, opening the presents and seeing family. But that night is just kind of bittersweet. Like when you're, like every time I come home that night from seeing family and you're just sitting in the dark with the Christmas lights on, it's just bittersweet. Everything's open. You know, the food is yeah. all the leftovers are in the fridge. And I think the transition would be easier if like, like we like it, right? Because come September, the Christmas stuff is out in stores, right? Things go earlier and earlier every year. But that works in reverse against us, too, because the next day you go to a store, the Christmas stuff is being torn down in the store on the 26th. And apart from Hallmark, sale. Yeah, that's when I get real excited, is when those sale stickers come out on the Christmas stuff. Okay, but my, okay, so the 27th. They don't. And it's early Christmas for me when I bust it open November and look at like the stuff I bought that I forgot about. But they don't stay out long is what I mean. It would be a better transition if it yeah. lasted till the new year at least. But most stores don't even do that now. And a lot of TV channels besides Hallmark, Freeform used to do their 25 days of Christmas to Little Christmas. And now they basically stop the day after. And it's just, I think people would like it, would I just wish that transition was easier. Though, again, I agree with both of y'all on hot dog. There's something to be said if you have that week off yeah. for in between Christmas and New Year's. But yeah, for me, I always take it off. Me too. Yeah, me too. For me, it's all about the build up. Christmas Eve is the pinnacle. Christmas Day is the sh crash after the sugar rush. Mm -hmm. Side note, I forgot to mention yeah. at the beginning of the show, I finished my Christmas shopping. Yeah, You're you finished? were bragging about that on social media. Uh, yeah, your half of y'all's gifts got here today. I can't wait. Are you guys, I'm putting your gifts in the mail like September because of what's happening with the postal service. I don't want things to get lost come November, yeah. <laughs> December. But so when you get packaged to me in September, just know can't open it till December. <sighs> Big tease, but <laughs> yeah, that's mean. So, I have one more question for y'all, and I'm gonna ask What's it. That? I'm gonna ask it right now because I feel like we need to pick me up after this week's episode. Sure. And this also comes from Well Watch Buddy. One day you wake up to find that you've been transported into a parallel world where everything is the same, but there is no Christmas. What do you do? Do you just leave it 
Do you try and tell people about Christmas? Do you copyright the word Christmas and then create the celebration? What do you do? What would I do? <laughs> How much time would it well, take? Well, if there's one thing, if there's one thing I've learned and there's no qualifier on it, is that the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. So I'm belting it out, y'all. I'm just going to start it myself. <laughs> Could you imagine being transported to this world, though, and no one knows the carols? So you're sitting there just singing about, like, Santa Claus, and, like, no, everyone's like, who the frick is Santa Claus? It would take so long machine, to man. establish that. Huh? It's like Hot Tub Time Machine, man. You just go back, you take all the hits, you make them yourself. You just start singing Lisa Loeb songs without knowing like, all the words. It's like that movie. Did you see that movie yesterday where the guy gets trans? Oh, it's trans such a good movie. It's like that, okay. I'd imagine. Like, you would just movie. copyright it and, like, copyright everything and take it all for yourself and, like, you would get your Christmas. Yeah, but the, the same stress. Time. So using that movie as an example here, the stress that put him under of doing that and recreating the greatness of the Beatles, like, I think took his enjoyment away. Mm. And I don't, I don't know what I would do. Hmm. I don't think I'd have enough time in my lifetime to make Christmas what it is. Yeah, that's and true. I don't know. It'd probably well, be, it'd end up being like Friendsgiving, you know, where your closest friends, you would just start some tradition, right, of just getting together every year. Somebody created Friendsgiving and look at how it's grown even in our lifetime, right? But they had a basis for it. They, there would right? be no basis for Christmas. Right. There would be no basis. It would have to be totally organic. And you two can attest to how good I am at keeping stuff like that going. <laughs> Anthony <laughs> might be able to, to cultivate a Christmas season from scratch in oh, his life. That is like the biggest compliment I've ever received. Thank you. It's true with your spreadsheets so, and your motivation and your, <laughs> I mean, I couldn't I, do that. I would use a lack of Christmas to create a presidential platform in which I run on creating this holiday called Christmas <laughs> and tell all these people, travel the country telling all these people about trees and the music and Santa Claus. I'd be like Jack Skellington telling them everything about from this other world about all the awesome things. Because I would get Retail it right. would love you. And retail would love me. Big corporations. Big, big corporations would love me until I get an office in Texamol. But they would at least get me to office. I'd create Christmas and I'd go down as the most beloved president in history. That's what I would do. And if I lost, I then it. I would. If I lost, then I'd spend the rest of my life trying to find a way back home to a world. You'd call it a war Christmas. on Christmas if you lost. That could be your platform. <gasps> yeah, then I get money off. <laughs> Fake war on Christmas. <laughs> there, there you go. That's what I'm doing. So, Lynn's Lube. Lynn's Lube. Lynn's Lube. Wrote, I would literally cry for a week or so. LOL. After my tears are shed, I would try to find Anthony, Tom, and Julia and tell them about Christmas so they start a podcast in this parallel universe. They could also help spread the word and have the holiday exist again. I like her thinking. A joke. And then we also got one. 
Sorry, Tom? You, you could make all of the Christmas movies your own. <laughs> we could, we could literally, assuming all the same people exist in this alternate world, we could literally make Todd Killian of Christmas Clatters recast or miscast come to life oh. and do all the Christmas movies with all these new people. Oh my yeah, gosh, Kate. I love it. Good. Um, we also got a comment from Mario Masatati, who I think just randomly found our page because he just said, thank God, and he got downvoted. So. Oh my God. Why are you engaging with our stuff if that's your, that's your opinion? Well, did you see Weird. the guy who commented on Julia's post on Reddit? <laughs> what? Did you say who is clearly not a listener or anything? He just found, I don't know if we were, how he found us or whatever, but they said, um, hold on. Happy birthday, Julia, dot, dot, dot. I have no idea why this is in my feed. <laughs> because he oh, yeah, I saw it. that. <laughs> I did see that. <laughs> All right. That's awesome. <laughs> That is so cool. You know what else is cool? Julia's randomly showing up in feeds. <laughs> <laughs> you know what else is cool? What? What's that? When our listeners engage us and answer the questions of the week they pose. I do love it when they do that. I do like And they can that do happens. that in a few different places, right? Where? Well, so we have know. a really do active- we have something set up? We have an active Facebook group, and that's where a lot of the chatter is. Um, we're also on Reddit and Instagram and Twitter, and am I forgetting one? I feel like you are, and yet I don't know what we're forgetting. But I think Facebook. She said Facebook. Facebook. What's the Facebook groups? So we're all over, and there's a nice, easy way you can get to all of these places instead of just having to, you know, manually go there. Who has time for that? All you got to do is go to tisthepodcast.com backslash Twitter, Instagram, insert your social media there at the end after that last backslash and it'll take you right to it. And you can engage with our community. You can engage with us. Um, you can engage with, I mean, other podcast hosts are on there also because they're a part of our community too. And odds are you'll find somebody else you'll like to listen to as well. Um, not to mention, if you visit our website and get to our social media through there, you'll see a beautiful updated list of all of our complete rankings that one of the elves strives to maintain along with episode posts and everything but if you also want bonus content you can go to tispodcast.com slash patreon where we have tons of awesome stuff coming up and tons of awesome stuff already there so we have christmas movie commentaries up we have elf and the santa claus we are hoping to do christmas vacation and home alone before the end of the year um, we have fireside chats with listeners who you've heard on the main show and some you haven't with people such as April Riley, President Hot Dog, Gary, uh, no, Gary Bauman wasn't on one yet. We need to get him on one. Um, Charlene Lewis, Todd Killian of Christmas Clatter, Jerry Davila of Totally Right Christmas, Rebecca Bowl, And those are fun. I love, I love the fireside chats. We need to do some more because I love talking to our listeners like that. And uh, we have tons of stomach stuff coming up for later this year. We have Thanksgiving episodes. The three of us recorded a Beetlejuice episode for Halloween. We're recording other 
bonus Halloween stuff. There's going to be a new horror movie episode dropped every week in October on Patreon. So we're starting our mini-sodes in which we cover the Batman Long Halloween in October. So lots of fun stuff coming up. If you're not already subscribed, now's the time to do it if you've been on the fence. And let your friends know about us. And a free way you can let your friends know about us is sharing our pages and leaving us a review on iTunes because every new review helps new listeners to find us and helps spread the Christmas cheer 365 days per year. Uh, Y'all, we actually got another question live while we're recording, so I think we should read this out so we can think about it for next week. What is this? So Gary Blauman commented on our Reddit two minutes ago, need to take back my question of the week crown. Anthony pointed out in the nativity episode that the wonderful, well, watch buddy has stolen some of my question of the week mojo, which I am all for more great questions, which has prompted me to add another to the mix. What is a now ended television show that you'd love for it to come back with a Christmas themed special like we so often see with British shows? For me, the obvious answer is The Office because of how so many, how good so many of their Christmas episodes were. A bit of a sleeper option for me would be Home Improvement. The show has done so many, many years and they had some of the best Christmas specials. So, and Halloween. And yep. Halloween. So a now ended show, what would you like to see come back for one of those one-off hour long Christmas specials? So think about it this week, listeners, think about it and let us know your answers at the aforementioned social medias. And Tom and Julia will forget about it until, I don't know, 10 minutes before we record. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When Anthony reminds us. And we go, <laughs> what was the question again? <laughs> no, I, listeners, just so y'all know, I stopped even reminding them 10 minutes before. I usually remind them live in the episode. To answer this week's question, oh, crap, and then that all gets edited <laughs> out. When they're like, what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> I did not edit that out of the nativity episode, if you noticed, because it was so funny and so true. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> I'll remember this one, because this one will stay with me all week, because I get really got to think about this one. Me too. Guys, we only no. have three episodes left in August. It's crazy. What's coming up, Tom? Stuff he's not excited about. Did he freeze? I think. Or is he... I think he froze. Tom. That or he's just really good at being still. Tom. I think he froze. Oh, he moved. Oh, he moved again. Well. Oh, there you go, Tom. My well, you're what? Oh, it's bad. It's bad. We can't hear you at all. So just answer the damn question. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> okay, what did you say, Tom? <laughs> I said my internet is unstable. Can you hear me? Answer the damn question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother. 
what do we have coming up, Tom? Oh, goodness gracious. My internet having major issues. I'm pulling it up. My internet is not cooperating with me, so give me one minute. I lied. We have well, two episodes not... left in August. Can y'all not hear me? I can no, hear you no. now. I'm trash talking nonstop and nobody's reacting and it's making me really sad. I know we can't hear that. Maybe no. it's a sign from God. <laughs> oh julia you think my uh so next week we have some weird movie that sounds somewhat inappropriate i saw mommy kissing santa claus followed Marine by the, the 1991 yeah followed by all i want for christmas the 1991 movie where we will be joined by jerry double of totally rad Christmas. Excited for that. I always like when Jerry joins us. You know what I'm excited about? What? what? We only have 3,144 hours, which means next week we are out of the 3,000s. It's a milestone. That is a milestone. You know, another milestone that's only 131 days. That's 18 weeks. Bye, y'all. It's so abrupt when you do it like that. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Do your homework. Bye, y'all.